0: We continue breaking down the best prospect pools in the NHL with teams 11 through 9. We've got the Minnesota Wild, the Philadelphia Flyers, and the Detroit Red Wings, all coming up on today's episode of Locked on NHL Prospects.
1: You are Locked on NHL Prospects, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hello, welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, Sebastian and I break down everything prospects related for you five days a week. Uh, but it's the summertime, so we're doing three times a week. I'm Hadek Kalakesh joined by Sebastian High. And we will be going through teams 11 through 9 in our prospect pool rankings. Uh, we've got the Minnesota Wild, the Philadelphia Flyers, and then finally the Detroit Red Wings that will be breaking down for you. We'll talk about their top prospects, who's up and coming, who's come out of nowhere, who's fallen off the map, everything you need to know about every prospect pool. Uh, in the NHL is on this podcast. Uh, now, before we get into any of it, just make sure to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. It's always very much appreciated. So, uh, Sebastian, let's start with the Minnesota Wild. Now, the main deciding factor that put them at 11th for us rather than higher up in the rankings, I think you'll agree on this, is Jesper Volset. I think that's the defining piece here um, of this puzzle for the Minnesota Wild. Is Jesper Volset the best goaltender prospect in the NHL? Would that be a fair statement?
1: He he still is for me. I, I know you have yeah. a couple guys that are at least in contention with him, with Devin Levi yeah. and Dustin Wolf. And those are my top three. I think Garislav Oskarov would be number four in my yeah. personal ranking. But tight as it is towards the top end of that, I still would put Volstead ahead of every other goalie prospect in the league right now.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's very rare that you get the combination of intelligence and athleticism that you, that Volstead brings. He beats the game extremely well. Um, post-to-post, very sound, very composed, doesn't overcommit. Um, really solid glove hand as well. Um, there aren't many areas of weakness in, in Volsat's game, which makes him so enticing as a prospect. Um, he, he can be a bit too calm at times. I like to see a bit more desperation in my goaltenders. Uh, that's why I like Devin Levi and, and Dustin Wolf as much because they've perfectly tailored their game around the lack of size and they're able to just turn on that desperation mode and turn into Gumby. It's really <laughs> it's funny to watch. Um, but moving on from Volsat, who is, for me, probably the definitive best prospect in their pool, we do sure. have a couple of, of runner-ups in there that are decent enough. Um, you know, guys who figure in our top five would probably be um, the likes of Charlie Stramo. We've got, fortunately, Mark- Marco Rossi has just aged out. He played 20 games, so doesn't qualify as a prospect anymore. Um, another prospect I really like in their pool is Murat Kuznodinov, who I'm a huge fan of um, ever since his draft year. has been one of the guys I've kind of... Um, kind of stuck my flag in and been like, this is my guy. And he's been looking really good so far. His defensive game has come in leaps and bounds. Um, You know, for you, the the ad of Charlie Stramel in last year's draft, how do you feel about that specifically? Because I'm still conflicted about it.
1: I trust Minnesota's drafting so much that I'm not going to question the pick too much. Yeah, I personally would not have made it. I think Mm -hmm. Charlie Stramel is an intriguing prospect who could really develop a ton this year. Like his draft year season in Wisconsin held him back a ton and it makes him a tougher uh, projection because it all depends on how this year, next year go for him. If if they continue the same trend that wasn't his draft year season, then it's a massive reach. But if Minnesota believes that they have a player here who they can, who's, who's skating, they can improve who they they can like kind of use his physicality and his playmaking ability to really make a powerful playmaker out of him, likely even at center, then you can start understanding how uh, they came to this decision. I wouldn't have made the pick, and I'm not sure if uh, Stremel would figure my top five uh, Minnesota Wild prospects. I would throw Liam Ergren in that mix and Danilo Mm -hmm. Urop well ahead of Stremel. Yeah. Uh and even on defense, a guy like Brock Faber is someone I, I've I've liked a lot in the last few years. And yeah, there's some other good names on defense too, guys like Carson Lambos and Kyle Masters and Ryan Healy, but uh really Brock Faber is the is my favorite one in that bunch. Yeah. Uh and him and stream would kind of be a toss up for me if we're trying to rank the top prospects in this pool.
0: Absolutely it makes sense. Um now speaking of Danila Yurov, um His game's progress. He's still having that struggle in terms of finding ice time in the KHL. Um, You know, it was a big, big issue in his draft year where he was playing at most three minutes a night, six minutes a night um, in the KHL. And most of the time, there were a lot of games where he was dressed in the KHL but sat on the bench the entire time, so didn't hop on the ice for a single shift, which is just very unfortunate if you're a, a scout trying to, you know, watch a game to watch a specific player and he, you see him on the bench sulking and not hopping on the ice a single time, um, it is a bit concern. But with Yurov, I mean, the playmaking is really solid. He's able to find space really well and get that shot off extremely well. Um, I was also impressed with the levels of intensity and in defensive game that he showed in Flashes, uh, sure. which is something that can absolutely be built around and, and developed, which is like... For, for me, that kind of puts you off as probably the the runner up um, to, uh, to 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 set in that top five. But um, there are some really good contenders in there. You mentioned Brock Faber. I love Brock Faber. Um, I'm a big fan of the game uh, of his game and what he brings. He's already played two NHL games so far and not looked out of place necessarily. Um, def- definitely needs to kind of work on the more kind of well rounded elements of his game and impact the games in more ways and the the specialist kind of um, profile that he brings to the game. But um, for me, one one guy we haven't mentioned who I'm, I'm decently impressed with is David Spachek. He's always played a very solid role on every international lineup he's played on. He, he's played really well for the Sherbrooke Phoenix in his draft year um, and the year after when he was drafted. Um uh, in the QMJHL, uh, was you'd mainly their power play quarterback. I'm not sure if that kind of reflects what he'll be at the pro level, but um, definitely the type of guy who's going to shut down opposition. He's going to lay his heart. He's going to use his skating and reach to get around the ice um, and, and impact the game and, and disrupt plays for opponents. So there's a lot to love in this kind of pool of of, um, of defensemen. But for me, the, the standouts are mainly at forward, right? I mean, for we, sure. we like, haven't even talked about Riley
1: yeah, I was going to set you up for Raleigh Height. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll talk about Liam Ergen first. He's probably my, my second favorite player in this entire pool uh, behind yeah. Jesper Ballstedt. Uh This is a player who should have gone higher than he did in 2022. I think yeah. that Minnesota was quite lucky to, to snatch him where they did. Uh, and he was also part of the same return as uh, Brock Faber in that Kevin Fiala trade. Uh, mm-hmm. But Liam Ergren plays with tremendous intensity. He is a really great checking forward. And I mean that in a very skilled mold, not, not like a bottom six necessarily projection. He could be a really effective checking forward on a second line who makes mm-hmm. the lives of both of his line mates so much easier. He was the biggest part, in my view, of the success and chemistry of his line with LeCarr Maki and Noah Esland in his draft year season. Uh, where they were playing together both the, with their clubs and also internationally. But he was yeah. what I thought kept them ticking. And he made space mm-hmm. for his line mates and he let them showcase their skill. And he also has a ton of skill. I yeah. I still like his projection a ton. And I think mm-hmm. he fits quite seamlessly in this pool of intense and defensively responsible players. Like guys like Yurov and Rossi and Kuznodinov are all in that that same mold of intensity and defensive ability, but Ergrin also adds a layer of physicality that the others don't quite achieve.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And of the three, Ergrin has always been the more projectable one um sure. his game is very translatable very mature and pro ready which is really going to help him climb the ranks quickly and very very quickly on Riley height i had him in the top 15 uh in, You're in a big my fan. rankings i'm a big fan of his i love the playmaking and i also love the intensity and the grit and nastiness that he brings to the game at times um you know if a player only has smarts or only has intensity um i'm not too impressed and you know usually i don't rank him as high as, as that but for me it's a combination for height Uh, He can impact the game in so many ways, but he can thread passes and I've grown to like a shot as well. So he's a player I'm going to keep a close look on as he continues to develop in the WHL. But he's looking really good in the 60s for Minnesota so far. For sure. Uh, But that wraps things up for our first segment. Uh, Now we're going to be talking about the Philadelphia Flyers moving on um, to our second segment there. But before we get into that, Sebastian, talk us through our sponsor for today's episode.
1: Football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every single time that they win in the regular season. Just pick any team you want to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory of theirs in the entire season. You can use those bonus bets on anything ranging from spreads to player props to over and unders and far, far more. So. Visit fandle.com slash lockdown and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's fandle.com slash lockdown.
0: All right. So, moving on to our second segment and uh, our first team in the top 10, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers are our 10th overall prospect pool. Um, now, a couple of things explain this. First and foremost, our edition of Matt Bay Mishkov has greatly. Um, impressed to both of us and and has helped in terms of the outlook and what we think they could become, um, you know, based on who they have in the pool. Uh, for me, that addition of Mishkov at 7th overall, a pure steal. Um, I'm a huge fan of what Mishkov brings, and I was extremely, extremely surprised to see him um, slip outside of the top 5. When the Montreal Canadiens didn't pick him up, um, I was both disappointed and astounded because they had rep- repetitively said that they were looking for someone who's overall combination exceeds all others and they're looking for the highest upside player. And for me, that was certainly, certainly Matt Vamishkov. um You know, they had mentioned that they were looking for a player with character and uh, intensity and all that stuff. But if the skill level was high enough that it compensated for lack and black in other areas that they would take that pick. So for me, you know, Daniel Briere. that change, I don't think this pick happens without it. Right. I mean, he just fits the idea of what a player like Daniel Breer wants a team to look like based on the way that he played the game. Um, but, you know, we, we do have kind of our, our separate ideas of what Michkov could become. We do have disagreements on certain elements of Mishkov's game. Um, I see his goal scoring ability as something that isn't necessarily elite. I see it as uh, he has a great shot, not elite. What his, What is elite in him is his hockey sense, his his ability to flare danger. I think there's no comparable in the NHL. But I, I want you to talk me up on his shot because I'm still not 100% convinced that he can beat goalies clean the way he tries to all the time.
1: I I think that he has one of the most versatile sets of releases of any prospect we've seen in the last couple of years. And I, I think it's kind of poetic that uh, a couple years ago, the Flyers passed on Cole Caulfield, and he landed in Montreal. And now the Habs yep. passed on Michkov, and he landed in Philadelphia. So yep. each team got their got got their dynamic sniper. But uh, yeah, mitchkov's shot—he I've seen him score and get exceptional releases off of really bad angles, but also yep. from really poor body positions. And he saves bad situations by just rifling a shot on net. Doesn't always go in, but He can create a rebound off of it because it routinely takes goalies unaware in the KHL, which is a really impressive feat. I I do think that the gap between his goal-scoring and playmaking is a lot smaller than the public may may have in mind. I think that the playmaking is a really big asset and is almost as elite as the goal-scoring. And while I would uh, agree that the best tool that Mitchkov has in terms of goal scoring is his ability to find soft ice and to create opportunities for himself to get into goal scoring positions. I do also think that his finishing ability is among the best five that we've seen in the last three drafts. So I'm I'm a really big fan of his goal scoring as a whole. uh, And I think that Philadelphia made an excellent selection with him at number seven.
0: Absolutely, and it was really night and day between SKA and Sochi, right? I mean, you saw a completely different player, it was a massive gap. And the main thing is, I saw a player in the and with SKA who was playing with the most urgency I've ever seen any player, the most urgency and frustration I've ever seen any player play. And I understand it because he's in his draft gear, he's an elite prospect, and he's playing three minutes a game as a 13 forward. That has to be disappointing. So, after you know when he's hopping on the ice and he knows that his next shift is in 10, 15 minutes, he's going to rifle everything on net and he's going to look like a headless chicken at times because he's just trying to put him, he's trying to put together a highlight reel and it's just not, it's not working out because he's playing three minutes a night. But when he moved to Sochi, when he became the centerpiece of that lineup, um, when he became their primary driver, it was driving most of their expected goals. It was driving most of the results. And when he knew that he was going to be back on the ice in a minute, that kind of urgency dissipated very quickly. So I'm, I'm very interested in seeing where he goes from here. He's back in SKA, I believe, um, with their MHL squad, playing some friendly games. But And yeah, uh, Matter Mishkov has shown his interest in coming to the NHL. Um, so I don't think Philadelphia Flyers fans have to worry about that at all. Um, so we'll see where it goes from here, but I'm fairly sure that Mishkov is going to be a very, very, very good NHLer. Uh, so we'll, we'll see where, what happens there, but there are a, a couple other prospects we want to talk about, mainly Connor Goche, I've been on and off on him. I'm having trouble kind of grasping exactly what I like about him, but it's definitely just—I mean, he he fits the mold of a power forward kind of bulldozer very well. He loves to crash in net. He loves to cut inside. He loves to to push uh, to push pucks towards dangerous areas. I just see no delay in his game, um, and I don't know how that proceeds from there, right?
1: Yeah, Goetz is a player that has improved a ton in the last year, and I'll give him credit for that. But still, would not crack my top fifteen in a redraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, I think that if the Flyers can mold him into this power forward, p- perhaps even at center. Mm-hmm then maybe there's something really exciting there in terms of an impactful top six piece. There's a lot of skill. He's a strong handler. He has a really hard shot. Uh, There are some nice playmaking flashes too. Like his offensive toolkit is quite tantalizing. But Mm -hmm. as you said, there's very little delay. I don't see much patience in his game. I think he rushes plays a lot. He (laughs) takes the first option regularly rather than waiting out to see if something better arises. So I wouldn't call him a true play creator. He's not going to be the primary offensive driver. But if you're playing him with Matt Mitchkov, I think he would be exceptionally effective. So, it all depends with, with how Philadelphia wants to to play him and what role they actually see him thriving in. But mm-hmm. as long as as they don't expect him to be their primary offensive driver and the a true play creator, I think mm-hmm. they that they're going to get a really fun perhaps second-line power forward uh, mm-hmm. out of him with first-line upside with stronger tool developments and uh, a, a learning a bit stronger of a, del- of a delay game in there. Yeah. But I-, I do like him as a prospect, and I do think he's improved quite steadily in the last season.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And we haven't even gone into guys like Tyson Forster, who played eight games last year, scored seven points. Um, we've got guys um, you know, like Elia Denoyer, who played some games as well. I really like their additions in this year's draft as well in the later rounds. Um, Cole Knubel and Denver Barkey look, uh, look like two very, very good additions um, moving forward.
1: Alex uh, Siernik too.
0: Alex Siernik as well is a fantastic guy. Yeah. yeah.
1: Like, they added a lot of skill in the mid and late rounds. I mean, Denver Barkey yeah. uh, plays quite similarly to a first to his teammate and uh, first round selection, uh, Easton, Easton Cowan. Cowan. Yeah. And uh, he probably has a bit more skill, like raw skill than Easton Cowan does, with perhaps he's a little bit less transla- uh, projectable and translatable. But yeah. it's a really fun swing. Uh, Alex Czernik is uh, one of the most skilled players that came out of Sweden last year in terms of raw ability. He's a tremendous skater. He's a really good playmaker. And while, yeah. yes, he is stuck to the perimeter quite, quite often, and he's not the most physically effective, and the defensive game comes and goes... There's a nice foundation of skill there that could become a middle six productive piece.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, we haven't even mentioned Devin Kaplan, who's been looking really good for Boston University. For I sure. like the progression in his game, the, the power forward elements that he's developing slowly but surely. Um, and a couple of decent uh, players in um, uh, in the deep hole. Uh, namely, uh, I really like Helga Granz and Emil Andre as a uh, one-two punch Uh, in that prospect pull on D. Not a big fan of Oliver Bonk. I probably would not have taken him anywhere near the first round, uh, but time will tell with him. Uh, But that wraps things up for the Philadelphia Flyers. Now we're going to end things off with team number nine, um, the Detroit Red Wings. We'll talk about it on this episode of Lockdown NHL Prospects. All right, so to wrap things off for today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Detroit Red Wings, team number nine in our prospect pool rankings. The Red Wings have a very interesting prospect pool with a lot of decent pieces. What mainly sets them apart for me, first and foremost, would be that trio of defensive prospects in Simon Edvinson, Axel sandin Pelika, and William Wallander. Um, That combination of, of just profiles of players alone just... Edvinson and Sandin Pelica being such complementary pieces, I could very well see that become one of the best second pairs in the NHL, um, or sure. maybe even a first pair if somehow Moritz Sider doesn't hit the expectations uh, and this sophomore slump somehow continues or whatever it is. Um, still, I mean, to have Moritz Sider already as a young defenseman in your lineup as a sophomore. Um, in his early 20s, and to have Sandy Pelica Edmondson and uh, uh, William Valinder in the pool. I mean, it's just so impressive to have that depth of, of skill um, on D. What do you think about that?
1: For sure. I think it's a, it's quite a luxury that a lot of NHL teams are going to be really jealous of in a couple of seasons. Uh, Simon yeah. Edmondson is one of the the most... I don't know. In his draft year season, he was the classic toolsy defenseman whose decision-making was not the strongest, but yeah. he has progressed so well. I've I've really loved the strides he's taken in terms of, of becoming calmer on the puck. He's no longer deer in the headlights like he was in this draft season. Yeah. Uh, he's learned problem-solving skills that he's very comfortable using and regularly uh, just solves quite a uh, complex problems even just like two four checkers rushing him you can get around them and he's still just skating the puck up the ice uh and I th- as you said I think it's very complimentary to Axel Sandin Pelica where Edmondson has learned to use his tools offensively while being defensively very very strong mm-hmm. Sandin Pelica has the opposite curve he is exceptionally dynamic he's a great playmaker in the offensive zone he's a killer shot from the blue line as well yep And he brings that element of dynamism, but the defensive game still needs some fine tuning it. I I thought at the start of his draft year season, it looked decent enough, but I thought it trailed off later on the year as his coaches were telling him, just take offensive opportunities. And I'm happy he did. I think it really benefited his skill to just use it and, and try things out, but he will also need to learn to reintegrate the defensive habits that I've seen from him in flashes in the past. Yep. Uh, and William Valinder is another vi- very, very mobile defenseman who, uh, in my mind, projects closer to a two-way piece than an offensive piece at this point in time Yeah. and uh, excels in transition offensively. Uh, he changes angles regularly. He uses his skating to create bigger gaps from his opponents. And yep. uh, I've been a very big fan of his. Uh, I think a second pairing projection, like number four, number five defenseman is Mm -hmm. completely reasonable with him. And uh, the skating is just a a truly elite tool in there that helps him structure his entire uh, style around.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's not even the end on D. I mean, they've got Shai Buyam, who's another very mobile, uh, very creative defenseman from the back end. Um, They've added Brady Cleveland and Andrew Gibson, which are the complete opposite in terms of just a pure shutdown guys who are able to break up plays and and get involved defensively. But I struggle a lot with their decision making and their skill level overall offensively. Um, So they've kind of balanced things out with those two adds. Um, but beyond the D, I think what also sets them apart is that trio of goaltender prospects. They got Trey Augustine, Jan Bednash and, uh, Sebastian Kosa in the prospect pool, which is luxury. That's more than a lot of teams have, uh, you know, there's a lot of teams looking for the next kind of high-end goaltender. The Red Wings already had Kosa and Bednash in the system. And they were just like, you know, why not take Trey Augustine while we're at it? Right. Uh, and just leave less goaltenders for the rest of them. So. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting uh, a fight in net uh, in five, six years for the Red Wings. Sure. And then we look at the forwards, and I mean, it's, it's not bad either. Um, you know, they've got the likes of Nate Danielson, who they just added in. Marco Casper, who's looking really good so far um, out of uh, the SHL, who even played an NHL game. Uh, so that's that's just looking really well for them at center. They have Theodore Niederbrock, who I'm, I was a bigger fan of before than I am now. Um, Same for Red Savage. Um, uh, He's a mainly kind of defensive, responsible center, projects as mainly a bottom six piece, but I think he's a very decent shot to make the NHL. Um, They also have Liam Dover Nilsson in the system. So I think their decor is fairly interesting as well, but it's mainly Marco Casper and Nate Danielson at the top and then a bunch of guys afterwards, right?
1: I would throw in Amadeus Lombardi in there. Uh, I yeah. really like what I've seen of him in, in the OHL, and I watched him quite a few times in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, he um, plays with tremendous skill and pace. He is, yeah. uh, I believe he's playing with Flint, right? I think it was Flint.
0: Uh, I think it is Flint. I
1: believe it was. But he was their, like by far their primary, their primary offensive driver. Every single shred of offense that they produced came through him. Uh, and uh, he was regularly like d- doing solo rushes, picking up the puck in the defensive zone, weaving through the neutral zone with speed and intelligence, picking the right gap. He, uh, he deceives defenders by shifting his body weight one way before quickly exploding in the other direction. And he has yep. a decent shot to complement that, and he's a strong playmaker. I would say that mm-hmm. where his value really will come will be in terms of producing off the rush. That That's where I've seen... Him at his most electrifying and most consistent, uh, but mm-hmm. even in inside the offensive zone, he's learned, uh, with time to more consistently integrate his plus level tools to create offensive opportunities. So, I'm very curious to see how he does against pro competition this season
0: for sure. Um, I think there are some ads needed on the wings, though, for uh, the wings. Uh, very convenient. <laughs> uh, we, I, I mean, I like Dmitry Buchelnikov a bunch, it's just outside of him. Carter Mazur is decent. Um, Cross Hannes, I'm not completely sold on. Um, outside of that, it's pretty tough to find him some decent names. I mean, I think their next best guy after that is probably Dylan James, but I don't see anyone who reaches the quality of the trio of defensemen, of the trio of goaltenders for sure, and of those high end centers. So I think that's the next objective for the Red Wings is to add some decent, uh, you know, winger depth in their prospect pool. Um, because sure. now that Elmer Soderblom is officially a graduate, uh, and he's looking real good, uh, outside of him is pretty tough. Uh, so we'll see where that goes, but I'm, I'm very I interested will. in seeing. Yeah.
1: I will throw in one last name, uh, that I liked a lot in a couple of my viewings this season, which is Anton Johansson.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: I really liked what I saw of him in Lexons and I watched him quite a, f- quite a few times in passing when I was scouting draft eligibles last season. Yeah. And every single time I watched him, whether it was in J20 or in the SHL, he mm-hmm. caught my eye on most shifts. Uh, I've really liked the the skating ability. And while I don't think there's necessarily slam dunk top four upside here, I think he could be a really effective number five within mm-hmm. a year or two. I, I was very, very impressed with him. He's one, one of my favorite uh, kind of under-the-radar SHL defensemen at the moment.
0: Absolutely. Uh, But that wraps things up for our breakdown of teams 11 through 9 in our prospect pool breakdowns. Uh, Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment letting us know what uh, prospects you haven't mentioned that you really like from your favorite teams. Uh, and if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, though, make sure to check out Locked On Sports Today. They've got all your news and updates about the sporting world, letting know what's going on in sports. Uh, And make sure to tune in for our episode on Friday where we'll be breaking down teams 8 through 6, probably our tightest bunch so far. Um, Those three teams, we had a very hard time separating them into orders 8 through 6, so uh, make sure to tune in for that. Uh, This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, And we hope you tune in next time.